We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week 15. We are moving along the season. I am Scott Jensted, uh, back after a week off. Uh, I was traveling for work, so I apologize to everybody for missing last week. But uh, Derek, uh, good to uh, good to be back with you. How's everything this week? Not too bad. Welcome back. Glad to have you back. John did a nice job uh, kind of filling in. Well, I kind of filled in for you, and then John filled in for me. So one, right. one seat upgraded, one seat downgraded, probably... Uh, worked out just fine for a week. <laughs> Not the same kind of a setup this week, though. You get Saturday games. We got, of course, a good Thursday game. We got Sunday night, Monday night, pulling some good teams away. This is going to be kind of a, a weird slate for week 15, where I think some unusual combinations, some more contrarian-minded approaches might actually be rewarded as far as big tournament wins. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fun slate. And I actually want to kind of talk about it overall before we hit game by game. And it's it's wild. I mean, there's four games in the NFL this week. There's over-unders of fi- over 50. 
And three of those games are the primetime games. We have we, we lose the Chargers Chiefs tonight, 53. We lose Philly and the Rams, which is 52 and a half. We lose New Orleans and Carolina on Monday at 52. It's it's wild. It's kind of that that the Steelers Patriots game sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of over unders on this slate. But you mentioned the Saturday games, Houston and the Jets and Cleveland and Denver, you know, not games that uh, you know probably take too much away. I think a lot of uh, you know Deshaun Hamilton love uh, goes away off this slate, but uh, losing those two games not a big deal, but losing those three big ones that uh, that changes the way this slate looks uh, significantly. Yeah, it flattens things out a lot. Uh, I think your cash game builds your most common game stacks will be that Patriots Steelers game because it's a, a huge difference in over under from the 52 you're seeing there right now to the 47, which is the next highest total for Colts Cowboys. And then even in the 46 range, you've got like Raiders Bengals, two crappy teams that it's like what wins a, a bad offense going up against a bad defense or a bad defense going up against a bad offense. Like that's kind of a, a thing to wrestle with. Um, you look at like the bears having the Packers, like can the Packers get anything going? Rogers played well against them on one leg last time around, but the defense seems like it's really gelling right now in Chicago and playing at a crazy high level. Uh, so there's just kind of questions at, at every single turn. And, you know, we'll see what happens with James Conner. If, if Jalen Samuels opens up again, as kind of a, a definite cash sort of play. Uh, Jeff Wilson looked pretty interesting volume-wise again last week. If Matt Breed is not back, I think he's in play against Seattle, even though Seattle looked so good defensively against Minnesota on Monday night. They've been pretty soft against the run, so I'm just kind of fascinated to see what the next 24 hours or so brings, too, as far as maybe giving us a few more pieces that we can build around on the cheap and having that kind of open up some players that at the top of the price list that otherwise would be hard to get at. Yeah, it, it's wild. You look at you look at uh, running backs, and you mentioned running backs that want to talk about it. We, you look at DraftKings, you've got Saquon Barkley at 9,400, Ezekiel Elliott at 9,000. There's nobody else until you get down to 7,500. I don't think I can remember a week where you have only, only two guys at the very top of that slate. And I just... I think the percentage on these on those two guys are going to be just insane this week. I think everybody's going to want to play at least one of them. I think some people try, try to sneak two in, but that makes it really tough unless you've got some cheap receivers you like. But I mean, I think every you know, obviously you're going to be some contrarian people, some tournament people, but I think every cash lineup is going to have either Barkley or or Zeke at, at the very least. I think it's one of those two plus Joe Mixon is the most common yep. build because Mixon at sixty one hundred is just way underpriced. His workload, his efficiency, his matchup. All good enough where you could price Mixon right where Leonard Fournette is at at seventy five hundred, and I think people would still look at Mixon and say it's not a bad price on him. But at sixty one hundred, he's a total steal, and I think people are going to want to get some of the pass catchers in the New England Pittsburgh matchup. And to do that, you're not going to be able to have Barkley and Zeke, and then jam in Juju Edelman guys like that. So I think going to Mixon for that second running back spot is going to be a really popular move. I do too. I think as we click on lineups on Sunday, you're going to see uh, a ton of either Barkley, Barkley Mixons or, or Zeke Mixons. And, uh, I, I find it hard to uh, to find any way where those are guys. All three of those guys aren't going to be just insane percentages this week. I think all three of them could be like twenty five to thirty percent pretty easily. And I think the way the budgets are going to work out, I think money's going to be pretty tight this week. I think that's going to be the kind of thing that maybe makes Zeke even higher on than Barkley. They're both going to be chalky, but I, I think the four hundred dollar difference between Zeke and Barkley is going to be significant in how it affects Zeke's ownership. Yeah, and, and having said all that with the running backs, and the, you know, obviously people are going to want the Patriots-Steelers game, uh, a lot of uh, action there, with, and there's a lot of high-salary high, uh, guys there. I think that finding, uh, finding cheap quarterbacks, finding uh, cheap wide receivers is kind of key to this week. Yes, 100% agree with you. Um, we'll talk about tight end, and we go game by game as well, but a lot kind of concentrated at the top of the price list with 
Ebron's heavy role in the Colts offense right now, Gronk still being affordable at 5,800, even Jared Cook in a good spot against Cincinnati. He continues to get a lot of targets. I think people are generally going to try to pay up at tight end if they can too. So finding cheap receivers is going to be critically important. I have I have a couple I like that uh, that we'll get to. Well, I'm interested to see if uh, if you agree with them or you think I'm crazy. All right, let's break them down. So, so let's go game by game, uh, starting with the 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific games. The first game we have is Tennessee at the Giants. And, you know, the first thing that jumped out to this game, Giants are favored by two and a half over under 43 and a half. We think Odell Beckham's going to play, but that's not decided yet. He uh, he pretty much said today that he's not sure, but uh, kind of leaning that way. But uh, I'd like to see a, a little more news on that, especially uh, Fridays and, and then we get to, into the weekend. Um, starting with Tennessee, though, what the hell happened with Derrick Henry last Thursday night? Man, I I didn't see anything like that coming at all. I mean, how, how did the Jags shut out the Colts one week and then have Derrick Henry just running all over them the next? I mean, Derrick Henry became a top 20 running back based on fantasy points for the season because of what he did last week. So it's going to be another year of trying to figure out, okay, like if Henry and Lewis are still there, what's the workload going to be like? Is there actually something more there this time around? I think it's just more of the same. I mean, Deion Lewis continues to play more than Derrick Henry in terms of snaps, and the game script can flip on them very quickly. If they fall behind, Henry kind of goes away. I still look at him as more of a tournament play than anything else. He's not priced up all that much coming off the huge game. So if you wanted to play Derrick Henry in a tournament, I don't think I would talk you out of it. I also don't think I'm going to play him in any of my lineups. Do you know how many games this year where Derrick Henry has over 60 yards rushing? Oh, like one or two? It's it's brutal. <laughs> it's one. It's last week. Yeah. I mean, that, that is insane. It's funny because you, you look at, uh, I'm in the NFFC primetime playoffs, and there's 144 teams, and the first thing I did on Thursday was check how many had Derrick Henry, and only two did. And, you know, it's uh, you know, it was really hard to play him, but with uh, with all the injuries, I mean, you had James Conner out, you obviously had the Kareem Hunt stuff, you got a couple other running backs that got hurt. I mean, it's one of those things that if you played him, it's probably because you fell into him because you had an injury somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you picked up Matt Breida a, a few weeks ago, several yep. weeks ago. You're playing him over Henry, and the benches are so deep in the NFFC, there was at least a chance that the original owner still held on to him. But even I know Chris List cut him in one of his NFFC leagues, even with the deep benches, you could have justified it depending on the makeup of the rest of your roster. In smaller leagues, like 10 team leagues, I, I cut Derrick Henry in my home league. I, I didn't see a real path for him to be viable week in and week out. But, uh, you know, if you had him going last week, it probably was a very deep league or it was because some other weird stuff happened to your team and you couldn't have asked for anything close to that much from him. I mean, just an overwhelming, crushing game against a defense that, just as I thought it was rounding into form, gave up the biggest running back performance of the year. In my in my perfect summary of the pentathlon league that uh, that you started and run, I had Derrick Henry firmly planted on my bench last week. That was a uh, that was fun to look at that forty nine point eight all weekend sitting in sitting in shaded in blue. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I, I had him in the best ball portion, and that was a league where you know Kareem Hunt, of course, what happened to him, him being gone. Uh, Will Fuller tore his ACL, Garoppolo ACL. You've had issues in the best ball league too, with a couple of your guys going down right away this year so it was at least a situation where i was like taking zeros in seven roster spots and i I was i was rewarded for something that i didn't deserve when i just didn't have any fallbacks left so that came at a perfect time for me 
So what about the rest of this Tennessee offense? Uh, you know, the over-unders game is 43-and-a-half. They are an underdog. Do you, do you like the passing game at all? Are you interested in, in Corey Davis this week? Uh, you know, four or fewer targets in three of his last four. He seems very boom or bust. Uh, the price is down, but not still not really low. 5,600 on DraftKings, 58 on FanDuel. Um, any love for anybody in this uh, this passing offense this week? I think it would be Davis on FanDuel if I was going to use him, and it'd be in tournaments. Um, I'm old enough to remember when Corey Davis was getting written up as a cash game play. Like that's it's just hard to believe <laughs> at, at this stage. But Tennessee has been a mystery box all season. Some weeks they look amazing, other weeks they look like they are, should be a four win team. And the Giants coming off the the blowout in Washington last week. I mean, I I didn't see that coming without Odell Beckham like at all. Like, even with Mark Sanchez starting that game for the Redskins, I didn't think the Giants were going to go in there and just go completely crazy the way they did. I'm looking at Corey Davis and saying, yeah, there's room for more targets. Who knows if, if Beckham plays or not, even though it's trending in a positive direction right now. I'm probably going to avoid most of this game outside of Saquon Barkley. I don't really like the pass catchers on either side. Even if Beckham's out, I'm not sure I want to run Sterling Shepard out there at a low price against Tennessee's defense. Tennessee's pretty tough defensively. I think like the one sort of constant for them week to week where I, I don't often play guys going up against that Titans defense. Any in interest if you're trying to uh, really punt at tight end and Anthony Ferkser, uh starting, uh, starting now that Johnu Smith is done. Mm, no, it's uh, <laughs> 2,900 on, on DraftKings is cheap, but um, I'm at least going to get to the high 3000 range or go up 300 more to like Vernon Davis with Jordan Reed likely out. If I'm going to go really cheap at tight end. Yeah, I think so too. I just I don't just, just don't trust the Tennessee pass offense. Like you said, it's kind of week to week. On the Giants side, um, you know Saquon Barkley obviously a popular play. Ninety four hundred on both sites. Uh, the guy's just a beast. There's not much to say. Hundred plus rushing yards the last four weeks. Uh, six touchdowns in that span. And the big shame last week was that it's too bad Washington hanging that game a little bit because Saquon might have run for about four hundred yards otherwise. Yeah, he, he would have just done a ton <laughs> of damage. And Washington's run defense earlier in the year. Had a few really nice performances, but it has fallen apart in recent weeks. So that was one of the takeaways for me. Aside from you know Barkley getting his, I looked more closely at the kind of six-week trend with them, and that is a defense that you can kind of pick on with uh, kind of middle-of-the-road backs aside from wanting to start studs against them, uh, even at high prices. Yeah, it's uh, it's gotten ugly uh, ugly really quickly there. Uh, what about uh, what about uh, Beckham? If he plays, uh, you have an interest there? I mean, he's been down a little bit. Uh, you know, hasn't topped five catches or 100 yards in four of the last five games. Did have 18 targets the last two weeks when he played. Uh, do you trust him? He seems like a guy to me that uh, you know might uh, might go out in a pass route in the first quarter and tweak something again and come out. I just uh, I don't know if I can trust him for 8100, but uh, obviously the upside's always there. Yeah, I read some of the less optimistic comments he had for reporters about his quad, and I'm just erring on the side of not using him even if he's cleared to go for the reason you mentioned. Could be compromised. Could have to leave early. Uh, maybe that makes him a great contrarian call in GPPs, but the price is up high enough. The matchup's tough enough. I don't really want to mess with it. Any love for uh, Evan Ingram if uh, if Beckham does sit? That does make Ingram more interesting, um, but he's, he's 4,100 on DraftKings. There's a few of those 3K tight ends that I like better. Uh, I haven't really seen him get more than five targets in any of the last three games he's played, so it just seems like his role is totally different this year with a generally healthier offense, but even without Beckham when he was thriving last year, they didn't have a back like Saquon Barkley who could gobble up such a large share of the offensive touches. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. He did have five targets last week, had 77 yards, and he, he's explosive, but he can, he can make a big play, but you're just kind of counting on that big play, and that's that's hard to do, uh, especially with some other uh, other more interesting options in the range. Moving on to the next game, uh, a game that I find one of the more interesting ones. Uh, you know, Obviously, you're, we're looking for some high-scoring games outside of New England and Pittsburgh to kind of target. Dallas going to Indianapolis. Indy's minus three, over under 47. Dallas off the big uh, overtime win. The Amari Cooper game, as I think it'll be known from now on against uh, against the Eagles. Uh, what do you do with the Dallas side? Uh, you know, Dak Prescott was a monster last week. 455 yards, three touchdowns. But that was his only game over 300 yards all year. I don't think I'm going back to him. The, the price is cheap on, on DraftKings, but... I just think the uh, I think the ceiling is uh, a little limited with Dak, uh, despite last week's blow up. You know, he's probably okay for a tournament play, but I I don't love it. Like I, I kind of think it's you almost want to go more contrarian if you're going to do that. Like it, it, the Colts, the Colts play high tempo and Dallas plays slow, and maybe you kind of meet somewhere in the middle. So Dallas runs more plays than usual, and that bumps up the attempts. The thing I like about Dallas right now is that they're concentrating the targets so heavily on Amari Cooper. The price jumped up a lot on DraftKings. He's 7500 there, but he's still cheap on FanDuel. Like, the Amari Cooper FanDuel price is kind of ridiculous. I think it's 6600 if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's correct. I mean, the, the target share has been huge. The efficiency's been there again. Do you have any reservations at all about Cooper at, at 6600 on FanDuel? I mean, a tournament, sure, the ownership rate's going to be high, so maybe you got to be careful in tournaments, but as at least a cash game play at that price, is he just kind of a lock for you? Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't Amari Cooper, I think he would be. I've just been burned so many times, but obviously he's been you know fantastic since moving to Dallas. Thirty targets the last three weeks. Uh, the Colts haven't allowed a hundred yard receiver since week four, though, so they've been they've been pretty stingy against uh, wide receiver ones. But you're right that that Fanduel price sixty hundred is just it's just too low. I don't know why they haven't bumped that up. I mean, it doesn't make any sense after these last couple weeks or last three weeks uh, why he's still sitting in that range. So the thing I, I've, I've kind of come to as I looked at this offense uh, for this week, if I'm not using Zeke, like if I'm doing like a Barkley Mixon thing, and I still want to have exposure to the Cowboys on DraftKings especially, and it's a, if it's a tournament, I'm going Michael Gallup at 3600 I'm doing that instead of paying the 7500 for Cooper. you got to find something cheap that can go off at wide receiver for a tournament play this week. Gallup's been getting a good number of targets, 9, 7, 6, and 5 over the last four games. He said at least two deep balls that I've seen where Dak Prescott's just overthrown him a little bit. So he's getting open, he's getting separation, and Amari Cooper's commanding so much attention. Gallup's always getting the easier matchup of the two receivers on the outside. So I think that's where my interest is. Like it's it's Zeke first across the board. It's definitely Amari Cooper on FanDuel, and then it's Michael Gallup otherwise as a tournament play who's very cheap on DraftKings. I'm so bummed out. You just stole my uh, my favorite cheap receiver. Hey, well, at least we're at least we're in agreement on that. I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world, is it? You're uh, you're more kind of in tune with percentage and stuff. Do you think people are on him at all this week? Or I didn't. I haven't heard too much about him. And I looked at the price at 3600 draft because I really liked it. Do you think he's uh, a little more popular than I think he's going to be? I mean, four to six percent. It would be uh, like, all right. So not popular. I don't think he'd right. be popular. Okay. Uh, it's just interesting that you we we both kind of both kind of went to the same guy. I just I really like the price thirty six hundred. I think that we may get some of that. You know, Amari Cooper's so much talk this week. You got to think the Colts defense is going to key on him a little bit and try and you know figure that out. Um, I really like Gallup to make a big play. Like you mentioned, the targets. I, I really like the targets twenty two in the last three weeks. Uh, 
I think 3600 he's kind of my favorite cheap uh, cheap receiver this week. Yeah, he was written up in my DraftKings column as the the Hail Mary play, which doesn't have oh, any sort well, of take it take 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 that out then. Yeah, I should I should cross it out <laughs> right now. I, I don't I don't think anything I'm saying or writing is influencing ownership in a meaningful sort of way. Um, but Michael Gallup, I mean, like I said, like he, it's it's like he's kind of got that number two kind. It's kind of like two B in terms of target share because they do throw to Zeke a lot. Uh, but they've really kind of changed the offense over the last six weeks with Amari Cooper in it. And I'm not calling a Cooper bust. I mean, I'm not going hard fade on Amari Cooper. I think 7,500 is actually going to scare some people away. Uh, but yeah, Michael Gallup at 3,600 is definitely a good tournament play. So we talked a bunch at the top about Zeke and, and Barkley, how far they, uh, you know, how far and away they were be- much better than everybody else, uh, more expensive than everybody else. Does the fact the Colts haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher all year worry you all, Zeke, or just the, the volume is just so good that you're not concerned at all? It's the latter. It's the volume is so good I'm not worried about it. I mean, if Zeke gets 22 carries for 80 yards and then catches six passes for 60 more and scores once or twice, then that's all the same to me. I mean, yards from scrimmage, he's, he's going to find a way to get his. If it's not working running between the tackles, they've shown that they're going to get him the ball in the passing game. You put him out in space, he becomes very dangerous. Um, so no reservations about Elliott based on what the Colts have been able to do against opposing backs. Yeah, I agree with you there, too. 33 targets the last four weeks for Zeke. You're, they're just going to get in the ball in some fashion. But what about the Colts side of the ball? You know, the, the Dallas defense has been playing pretty well. Uh, they, they played really well against the Eagles last week, you know, maybe except for the last eight minutes of that game. But, you know, Andrew Luck has been a monster the last 10 weeks. He had that one stinker against uh, Jax where he got shut out. But every other game, multiple touchdowns. Uh, Eight of those, he had three touchdowns or more. Dallas hasn't given up a 300-yard passer in like five weeks. Only over, uh, only given up uh, more than two touchdowns passing once all year. Uh, do you like Luck this week? Because I, I kind of think this game turns into a little more of a shootout than people think. Yeah, I mean, Luck's averaging 310 yards per game at home this season in six games at Lucas Oil Stadium. A 19-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. It's a 116 passer rating. So you're talking about like a six-point difference fantasy-wise for Luck at home versus the road. Uh, I think being indoors, having weather not be a factor, that bodes well. T.Y. Hilton, you know, is missing practice again this week. We'll see what he does on Friday. He still looks very much viable at 6,800. Probably going to be a cash game staple for a lot of people. I mean, if you're paying up for at least one of Zeke and Barkley, Hilton at 6,800 as your most expensive receiver is going to be something you have to at least think about. And like the target volume for him has just gone through the roof in recent weeks. Clearly healthy again. 12, 13, 10, and 9. And he's catching a very high percentage of those targets. I think in part because they're not taking quite as many shots downfield. But he's still very dangerous after the catch. Yeah, it's funny how we get the, the price differences on the, on the two sides. I mean, uh, Hilton's 700 cheaper than Cooper on DraftKings and 1,300 more expensive on FanDuel. That's a, that's a wild split with these two guys in the same game. Yeah, I mean, 7,900 on FanDuel for T.Y. Hilton. Still pretty close to being cash viable for me. I haven't built any cash game lineups on FanDuel just yet, but I, the way they're using him, it, it's just it's it's the Hilton and Ebron show, and you, they mix in Pascal and other guys, but it's... 25 plus percent of the targets are going to Hilton and 25 percent plus of the targets are going to go to Ebron. You kind of just know that about the Colts every single week. And I guess with Hilton's skill set, I always worry less about the shutdown corner like a Byron Jones type because you try to jam, try to grab. If a guy like Hilton gets away, it's the same thing with Tyreek Hill. It's over like you just you just give up a 50 yard touchdown. So you got to be very careful uh, trying to press guys like that. 
Yeah, and I think I like with Hilton is they're using him on on long stuff and short stuff. I mean, he has double-digit targets the last three weeks, so they're not just taking shots downfield, which he's obviously viable to do, like you mentioned. But you know, he's getting those uh, those twelve-yard outs. He's getting the you know the balls over the middle and on slants and stuff. He's just touching the ball a lot. And that if you own Ty Hilton, you know, you just want the ball in his hands at some point. He's going to make a play. Even the day they got shut out by the Jags, he had thirteen targets, eight catches, and seventy-seven yards. Like that kind of feels like a floor for him right now with that usage. Yeah, 125 yards plus and three out of four, uh, 33 catches in that stretch. So not just getting targets, but also getting catches. You mentioned Ebron, uh, 5,900 on DraftKings, 6,500 on FanDuel. And just, he, I mean, since Jack Doyle's been done, I mean, he's just been a monster. 31 targets last three weeks. That's just huge for a tight end. He's obviously their, their red zone guy. They look, when they get inside the 30, they look for him. And Dallas is, uh, you know, for the, for the good they've done on defense, they've allowed some big games in the last five weeks to tight ends. Uh, Zach Ertz had 145 and two touchdowns. Vernon Davis had 73 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, Dallas Goddard should have been huge last week, if not for that terrible call in the fourth quarter. That was a whole it was a really bad call. Uh, oh, it was terrible. I mean, one of the worst calls of the year, actually. The Ebron thing, I mean, I, I like him a little more than Gronk, only because the Colts have fewer, like, fewer weapons that I really like in the red zone, especially. Whereas with Gronk, they have everybody healthy right now. And they do stuff like devil and dives like that just make you completely crazy <laughs> if you have shares of you know patriots we care about so ebron to me is the tight end on the board if, if money is no object this week i'm paying up for him my question for you is are you comfortable because of their high target shares of uh, are you comfortable having ebron and ty hilton in the same lineup if I were uh, if I were running a GPP with luck, I would have no problem with that. I don't think I'd do it in a cash game. I think it just depends. It just factors too much on one game. But yeah, in a in a, in a tournament lineup where I was hoping this game turns into a shootout, uh, I could see going both of them just because they just they're both the guys that pretty much get all the action. You mentioned Pascal and a couple other guys, but um, yeah, in a tournament lineup, yeah, in a cash lineup, probably not what I would do. Yeah, I think you have to get some different looks in there for cash. So if you are playing Hilton and you got to pivot away from Ebron. Gronk's an option, but maybe you're playing Edelman in that lineup. You can go down to like Jared Cook. I think your guy, George Kittle, might be a little under the radar, relatively speaking, this week because he's more expensive than those other guys. Um, so it's kind of a it's a funny week at tight end, but definitely interested in Hilton and Ebron the most on the Colts side. So moving to the next game, it's uh, kind of a strange one. It's Tampa Bay at Baltimore. Uh, you, you know, you think Tampa Bay, you think high over-unders. You think Baltimore, you think low over-unders with their defense. Baltimore's favored by 7.5. Over-unders kind of in the middle, 46.5. Um, so what do you do? I mean, Tampa Bay has obviously been a team that's uh, it's put up points most of the year. Their defense is in bad, although a little bit better later. Uh, what do you do with them uh, attacking this Baltimore defense? Do you just kind of stay away? Do you uh, you want to try and find somebody that uh, might do something here? How are you, how are you attacking the, the Bucks' offense? Oh, the Bucks are so one-dimensional because they don't run it well, and I mean the Ravens at home are just nasty. This seems like a spot where Jameis Winston could get to 250 yards and, and multiple touchdowns, but he could do it with four turnovers. It just it sets up to be a really rough spot for him, even if he ends up making value. So my interest in Tampa Bay is very, very low. I think it'd be very like a contrarian call, kind of across the board. I think people are going to try to ignore this offense. Uh, Mike Evans is priced down, especially on DraftKings at 6700 So if you want a talented guy at a, a floor sort of price, absolutely think about it. I have not built the lineup with Mike Evans in it, and I'm usually the first one to jump in when the price falls into the low 7000 or high 6 k range with him. 
Yeah, if if I thought Baltimore was going to score a little more, I think I might like Evans more kind of in a, you know, down two touchdowns in the second half, kind of Jameis just letting it go kind of thing. But, you know, the way Baltimore runs their offense now with Lamar Jackson just running the clock a lot, running the ball a lot, I just don't know if it, you know, turns into kind of a garbage time game. And like you mentioned, Baltimore D at home, you know, even if they're ahead, they're going to be uh, they're going to be pretty nasty and shutting it down. I think. If I were to play anybody, it's probably Adam Humphreys, uh, just kind of uh, an underneath guy against the defense, a uh, check down kind of thing. Uh, he has 17 targets the last two weeks. I don't love anyone in this offense, but if I had to go with someone, I think it'd be Humphreys at 5,100 on DraftKings. Right, like eight catches for 60 yards and you hope he scores or something. Yeah. The Ravens are tied with the Falcons for the second highest implied total on the main slate this week. And it, I just have a hard time relying on the Ravens to come through offensively when they may not have to. I mean, they may just be able to run the ball a lot grind out the clock and, and come away with kind of an ugly 17-10 sort of win. This game could go way under the total, and it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. And I don't even know on the Ravens' side if there's anybody I like. I mean, the problem you have is that Kenneth Dixon's now in the backfield. He's very cheap on DraftKings, especially. He's 3500 How he's going to kind of work in with Gus Edwards again this week is a big question for me. As much as the Bucks have shown some signs of life defensively uh, with Mike Smith gone, They've been really soft against the run, and the Ravens are positioned in so many ways to take advantage of that. But it could be split over Jackson himself, Edwards, Dixon, and Ty Montgomery. It could be a really frustrating situation, even though it could be a productive day for the Ravens running game as a whole. So what about Jackson at 5,900? He's kind of built in this nice floor for himself, 70-plus yards rushing in every start, but hasn't topped 200 yards passing. He hasn't topped two two touchdowns passing. He did have a couple last week. So this, the ceiling's probably limited, but at 5,900 as a floor guy, you know, in a cash lineup, do you consider him so you can you kind of ramp up everywhere else? I, I, don't, I, don't think he, I don't think he is. I think when he was like, I don't know, I mean, the one week he was 4,700. That's not going to ever happen right. again. I think if he were like 5,500, I'd, I'd feel a little better. I mean, everyone would feel better if players were all $400 cheaper. But I just think with Jackson, like, they really don't want to throw the ball with him. Like, the, the maximum no. attempts we've seen is 25. And that was against Oakland. He was 14 of 25 in that game. That's a bad pass defense. He got 7.1 yards per attempt. The two TD passes last week against the Chiefs, accompanied by 147 yards. I understand why people are going to do it. I am not going to play Lamar Jackson this week, even if even if this run defense for Tampa Bay is so bad that he could end up smashing and having his best rushing day yet. I'm willing to take the chance on on something more mediocre happening. And if people beat me because they use him, tip of the cap to them. Yeah, I mean, I think the path is probably maybe he needs to score twice on the ground to really uh, really be a huge blow-up guy. But uh, it's tough to count on that. Like you said, they have the, all those guys in the backfield that can run the ball in from inside the 10, but you just don't know which one's going to be. Uh, what about the Ravens' defense? Uh, 5,000 on Fando, but only 3,000 on DraftKings. You mentioned that you know, it kind of feels like a game where Jameis may, uh, may, may throw it to them a few times. Are you like the Ravens' D this week? I do. I mean, I think the funny thing about the Ravens is that you can pay 100 less on DraftKings and play the Bears and – even if you think the Packers are going to move the ball against the Bears, they're also going to probably turn it over a little bit, allow sacks at the very least. They've got a banged-up offensive line right now. But the Ravens, uh, I think, are at least a top three defensive play this week. Uh, it's, it's actually a good week for defenses, which I feel like we've said exactly zero times this season. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that uh, you mentioned the Packers Bears. Uh, that's the next game. Green Bay going to Soldier Field. Bears fared by six coming off that uh, that big win on Sunday night over the Rams over under a 45. 
Talk to me about the Packers offense. Uh, they are extremely important to me in the uh, NFFC primetime playoffs right now. And I'm a little upset that uh, this is the matchup I get in week two of the playoffs. Yeah, it's suboptimal. Here, yeah, here's where the conversation begins for me. It's, it's Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams is up yep. 8.7 yards per target. Best mark of his career. He's going to catch over 100 passes this year. If he scores in each of these last three games, he's going to end up with 15 touchdowns on the season. He's been great. I think people have underestimated just how good he is and maybe put too much credit on Aaron Rodgers for what Adams has accomplished prior to this season. But if you've watched him this year, Devontae Adams looks like a legitimate number one receiver that even with an average quarterback, we've been putting up some pretty big numbers. Adams played well against the Bears in the opener. And that, again, that was a lifetime ago in the NFL. It was back yeah, in week was. one. Rodgers played on one leg. Khalil Mack didn't have the endurance to like finish that long TD to Cobb. Like there was there was some quirky stuff going on in that game, but Adams is going to be in most projection systems probably a top five receiver this week, even in a matchup against a really good Bears defense, if not a great Bears defense. And I I understand because the target share is close to thirty percent for the season, and he's pretty much matchup proof. Like he's been sixteen DraftKings points or more in every single game this season. That is remarkable consistency for Devontae Adams. Maybe it's in part because he's a little TD dependent compared to like Adam Thielen who ripped off that stretch of a million 100-yard games. But Devontae Adams as a tournament play this week absolutely is worth considering at 7,900 on DraftKings and uh, on FanDuel as well. I mean, I, I think people are going to be scared away by the matchup, but everything else could kind of go wrong for the Packers and Adams could still play well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think that this Sunday night game, the fact they just killed the Rams uh, Rams offense is, is really going to bring down the percentages on anybody in the Packers. So with that being said on, on Adams, any interest in Aaron Rodgers in a tournament? 5,700 is, you know, way priced down on, on DraftKings. Under 260 yards, I mean, six of his last seven games. I didn't think we'd ever say that about an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. Yeah, and last week against Atlanta, I, mean, I was watching that game. Uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. It could be much, much worse. <laughs> I, I fully acknowledge that. Like a down year for the Packers is like an average year for a lot of teams and man bad quarterback play is a plague in this league but Rodgers didn't really have to throw it a lot Packers kind of got up didn't really ever make it close once they opened up that big lead and I I think with this matchup this could actually turn into a little bit of a shootout I, I think with the Bears Mitch Trubisky looked a little bit off in that game against the Rams I think another week of practice kind of gets him right uh, Packers defense to me is still very suspect. I think where the the Packers are in, in most danger of just getting completely smashed is with the injuries they've been dealing with on their offensive line. Like if they're down a couple of starters in the offensive line this week, Rodgers is going to be dumping the ball off you know, for screens like crazy. And that's going to make it tough for them to actually you know, get up to 20 plus points against an elite defense. But I still look at Rodgers as an ultimate contrarian play. I think you're right. Everyone's going to be afraid of the Green Bay offense because of just how bad the Rams offense looked in Chicago on Sunday night. And it, it could happen just like that for the Packers. That's that's probably a likely outcome. But if the Packers what? find a way to deal with it, it, this could be, what, 3% owned Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that's, that's pretty enticing. 
Yeah, I, I like that. I think it was a couple weeks ago that I, I really liked him, and he didn't uh, didn't really come through at a low percentage. But what about Aaron Jones? Uh, kind of started off last week slowly. It looked like, oh, maybe Joe Philbin's going to use him like Mike McCarthy's early in the season. But got to his 20 touches, got to his touchdown. He scored in the last five games, 85-plus total yards and six out of seven. Um, any interest in Jones You know, at a lower percentage than, he, than he's been in the last four or five weeks uh, against this Bears defense? Totally understand it for the price and – it's the same mindset of just low owned contrarian. You could certainly try it. Uh, I am not trying it myself. I think when you look at the Bears as a run defense, especially that that's that's where I think they're they're a little more lenient to opposing receivers than they are to running backs. So that's where I'm more willing to take that chance with Adams as opposed to paying down and throwing a very low owned Aaron Jones out there. But I I don't think it's a, a terrible bit of logic to go down that path. So if you do think there's some points in this game, uh, what about the Bears offense? You mentioned Trubisky looked terrible against uh, <clears throat> against the Rams. He had 115 yards and a touchdown, three interceptions. He's got 165 yards or fewer in three of his last four, I think. Uh, so if you're going to do something on this Bears offense, is it Tariq Cohen? Is it Allen Robinson kind of off the nobody believes in me anymore kind of thing? What do you what do? you do? I mean, Trey Burton hasn't done much. What would you do from the Bears offense if you had to pick somebody? I like guys like Cohen and, and Taylor Gabriel who can do a lot of damage after the catch. Uh, but I have very little faith in the Packers secondary, so I could see Allen Robinson stepping up and, and playing well in this spot as well. Still getting a lot of targets these last two games, 17 the last two weeks. And when you consider that week 13 was with Chase Daniel throwing him passes, 5 for 79 in that game is actually really impressive. Um, so I do like Robinson. He's priced down enough where you're getting a pretty good deal. He was supposed to practice on Thursday. I haven't seen an official report on that. Uh, but I would say in order, it's Cohen maybe Gabriel in tournaments, then Robinson is more of like a high floor sort of guy to consider. Yeah, kind of how I see it, too. I mean, I tell you what, Tariq Cohen, I was watching that game Sunday night. Every time he touches the ball, that dude is just so electric. I wish he got you got the ball a little more in space. He has gotten more, more involved lately, double-digit targets in the last five weeks. Um, if Green Bay can keep up you know, and kind of make this a, 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 a higher-scoring game, you got to like the game script for Cohen as opposed to a game where you know they get up and hand the ball to Jordan Howard the second half. Yeah, I think some people are going to be thinking about Howard as more of a, you know, again, tournament play that's – contrarian coming off the 100 yard game last week but i don't think it's going to be a situation where the bears can just grind a lot of carries with jordan howard as comfortably as they were doing that last week against the rams yeah i i agree there i, I kind of like Allen robinson too but i mean i look at his game log and he's really had one good game all year kind of surprising for a guy that coming into the year i kind of liked him in this in this matt Nagy offense i thought they would uh, really do some stuff with him but he had that one game where he had 130 yards and two touchdowns the big game and you know, aside from that, you know, no really other games. You're like, wow, I'm glad I played Allen Robinson this week. Yeah, I think with him, I, his shortcomings this season are more the result of Trubisky still figuring some things out as a passer. And again, having a few games that Trubisky missed. Uh, you look at air yards. Those are all pretty favorable metrics like air yards per game and air yards per snap. He grades out pretty favorably there. Only a 59% catch rate for Allen Robinson, but he just dropped only 1.3% of his targets. So it's not like they're hitting Robinson and he's just not pulling it in. They're just not giving him high quality targets, which again, kind of points to more of a Trubisky sort of problem. So you have to be a little bit careful with Robinson because of that, but the price is low enough where I think I'm in this week. And I just think the Packers secondary, I expected to get shredded at every turn. Like I, I, I was actually surprised they didn't yield more to the Falcons last week. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not impressed with with how Matt Ryan's playing, so that may be a factor of it. But you're on your you mentioned Allen Robinson, uh, 5,500 on DraftKings is the price. You mentioned he was cheap. Uh, I do like that too. I think that uh, you mentioned the 17 targets the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think he'll be low percentage too. I think he's I think he's kind of a sneaky play this week. It, it hurts me to say because he's been so bad, but um, he's a guy that I'm going back to this week uh, in this matchup. Probably taking one shot max though. I don't think I'm stacking bears in this spot. Uh, no. So. Uh, you know, tread tread carefully, adjust accordingly based on the the type of lineup you're building. Otherwise, but the prices are generally pretty fair on on the Bears' key pieces. In uh, in one of the two games uh, with an over under of under forty, we have Detroit headed to Buffalo. Uh, on the Detroit side of the ball, I'm a complete pass on this offense this week. Is there anybody you want to talk about on that offense? Uh, Kenny Galladay, I think, is priced down enough on DraftKings where you can you can play Galladay again. I know Tre'Davious White is the the main fear that you have and um, you know what he can do in coverage is, is certainly impressive but I, I think Galladay is the kind of player that just creates matchup nightmares for even good DBs and the target volume tends to be high enough where uh, he can make value just because he's getting so many opportunities I'm with you though overall like I, I the Lions are a total dumpster fire and I'm, I'm kind of wondering like Josh Allen the, the rushing yards we're seeing from him like <laughs> What are you what are you making of this? Four hundred and ninety rushing yards through nine games, five rushing TDs, uh, coming off in a back to back one hundred yard games. And he missed going over a hundred the third game before that by one yard. I mean, this is an insane stretch that he's on right now. The Lions have been better against the run since adding Damon Harrison several weeks ago, but this is a different kind of running threat to stop because you've got guys out in coverage. And, you know, Allen seemingly just finds running lanes and goes off. Yeah, I mean, it's not only insane, it's historic. I mean, it's the first time a quarterback's had 100 yards back-to-back since the NFL uh, merged in 1970. Like you mentioned, he had 99 the week before that. So, I mean, it's not only historic, but on the edge of being even more historic. It's pretty wild how good he's been. I just I wish there was a little more passing upside. He's been under 250 yards passing the last three weeks. I mean, I don't I just don't know if I can trust the rushing, but three weeks in a row, it's there. So, um, you know, he's made me look bad the last couple weeks. We kind of joked about it uh, after the first big week he had. But 5,800 on DraftKings is cheap. He's, he's a lot more expensive on FanDuel. He's 7,600 there. I just I wish I liked the passing game a little bit more. So I felt that, you know, if he only had 40 yards rushing, he could still get it done. But I. I think he needs that, you know, 80 to 100 yards to, to work. And I'm just not sure I'm betting on that. It's a really odd thing to put your faith in. Like, I, I understand why people would start thinking about him in cash, but I can't bring myself to do it. Like, I, 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 even understanding the thought process, I just can't play Josh Allen in cash lineups. I'm sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> Any interest in uh, Robert Foster? He, uh, he had eight targets last week, seven catches for 104 yards. Now has 90 plus yards in three out of four games. Pretty wild, considering the fact that the you know the Bills don't throw for a ton of yards. Um, you know, like I said before, it's hard to trust the passing game. But 4,300 on DraftKings is really cheap for a guy who's really involved. Yeah, he was the big winner with Kelvin Benjamin getting the boot. I mean, Zay Jones already plays a lot and was on the field again a lot. And got nine targets, only turned into three catches for 22 yards last week against the Jets after torching the Jets back in Week 10. Uh, I'm a little worried that Foster and Jones is going to be a problem that we often guess wrong on. Like, Do you think Foster is a better talent than Jones? Do you think there's anything about his game that makes him uniquely more valuable on a week-to-week basis? Because the price is very close on DraftKings. Foster's 4300 and Jones is only 4200 
I just think Foster's probably a little more explosive. I think Zay Jones is kind of more the uh, more the possession guy, and Foster's more the big blow up guy. So in a tournament, you know, I like that guy that I think can make the bigger play. But in a, in a cash game, if you wanted to go somewhere, I'd probably go Zay Jones. But I don't think I'd touch this Buffalo pass game, pass offensive pass, cash game anyway. But if I was going to a tournament, I'd go Foster just for kind of the big playability. Yeah, four four forty, and he's six two, so he could be a red zone option as well. Um, I, I think it's it's all about tournaments either way, but. Uh, not, not a must play. Again, like I'd, I'd rather play Gallup and save the extra 700 bucks. but I, I think you're going to see Foster pop up in more than a, a few write-ups this week. If uh, if Pat Mahomes has a good sense of humor, you should walk up to Kellen Benjamin tonight and ask him if he wants to practice some routes before the game. <laughs> I'd, I would love that. And I, I think if Mahomes knows that story, he actually might pull that off. He he seems like a pretty fun dude. It would be uh, I don't know if he I don't know if Benjamin's uh, as fun enough to take it as a good joke, but uh, I think I would uh, I'd love to see him do it. Uh, man, I I feel like Benjamin wouldn't get it. Like he he just I don't I don't think so either. He'd like, oh, yeah sure and wouldn't even realize that you know he burned Josh <laughs> Allen earlier this season with the same question. You uh, you mentioned earlier the the Oakland Cincinnati game kind of a uh, a weird game from a real NFL perspective because both teams are you know obviously the the Raiders did beat the Steelers last week but both teams have been struggling uh, Andy Dalton's out for the year we've got uh, Jeff Driscoll there but over under a forty six in this game is uh, you know pretty uh, pretty decent mark Cincinnati's fair by two and a half so a close spread too and you know you get one of these games where you don't really trust the offense both defenses are so bad like uh, you know what do you do attacking this game if you want to if you want to get a piece of you think it uh, there's some points scored. I mean, if if you believe in in Derek Carr, he's had uh, passer ratings in the 120s each of the last two weeks. Those games were at home, but Cincinnati's defense is brutal. So Carr, maybe in in tournaments. I mean, the thing is, like, I just don't like that group of pass catchers. It'd be probably Carr with Cook if I had to take Carr and add a pass catcher to him. Uh, Doug Martin's a little bit interesting this week. He's 4,700 on DraftKings. Tons of volume, but inconsistent output with that volume 34 carries the last two weeks for Doug Martin uh, but he's got 32 and 61 yards so he's very touchdown dependent how do you see the Raiders moving the ball most effectively do you think it's balanced run versus pass or do you actually see them exploiting Cincinnati's horrible run defense and just using Doug Martin and Jalen Rashard to get it done I think it's probably more balanced just to, you know, Carr has played well and Cook has 100 plus yards in back-to-back games 18 targets the last couple of weeks uh yeah, I think Doug Martin will get his touches, and you know they use him in the you know, they use him in the goal line for some odd reason. I'm not really sure why, but you know touchdowns the last three games. But like you said, the yards just aren't there. I just I just don't see enough of a ceiling with Doug Martin to be able to really want to slide him in there. You know, I think if he gets 60 yards and a touchdown, that's a really good game. And I just yeah, if that's a really good game, just not somebody I really am that interested in playing. Yeah, I didn't build any initial lineups with him in them, and I didn't. Think, I don't think I included him in the article either, even though the price is low and the setup is good. Uh, with Richard being there to catch some passes, that could just be a complete timeshare where they both do pretty good but not great at low prices. Cook, 5,600, not a must play, but certainly playable. And the receivers, I mean, Jordy Nelson has been all over the road this season. You look at like week 13, 11 targets, 10 catches, 97 yards. Last week, six uh, catches on seven targets, 48 yards against Pittsburgh. It was kind of a ghost for the better part of eight weeks between big games. Go back to week three, torches Miami for 173 and a score. Do you have any faith at all in Jordy Nelson at a bargain price in, in tournaments? I do not. I don't blame you. I, I just I, I just have no no real feel most weeks for the Raiders and whether or not they're going to be competent or they're going to look 
like they don't want to be there. Uh, the player I like most in this game, we talked about at the top, Joe Mixon, 6,100. I think he's going to be a very high-owned running back, uh, but he's yep. going to be that guy that you probably want to pair with one of the elite two running backs if you're trying to pay up for quality receivers or pay up at tight end this week. Yeah, I mean, it, Mixon was fantastic last week. That was a tough game script, uh, you know, at uh, at the Chargers, and it was a, a big spread, and they got beat. But, you know, he had 31 touches for 138 yards, ran the ball well, had six targets out of the backfield. And, I mean, he's just – he's the guy in that offense right now. With A.J. Green out, there's, a, you know, some Tyler Boyd, but Mixon's their main weapon. And, you know, he goes from a really tough matchup uh, in, a, in a bad game script to a really good one. They're, they're a little bit of a favorite. The over-under's pretty good. The Raiders, uh, the Raiders' D is not good. They've been a little bit better against the run the last couple of weeks, but not a defense I fear at all. 7,800 on FanDuel seems about right. 6,100, like you mentioned on DraftKings, it just it just seems like a mistake of a price. It seems like it's too easy, but you know those never those never work out really well. But going to be hard not to not to plug Joe Mixon lineups this week at 6,100. I think I just think that's way too low. Are you doing anything with the pass catchers in Cincinnati? Are you playing Tyler Boyd at 5,700, John Ross in tournaments at 4K on DraftKings, or CJ Uzoma at 3,600? I almost wonder if last week. Because of the Chargers' pass rush, if Uzoma had to stand and block more, he only had three targets after having 6-12 and 5 in the previous three games. So maybe Uzoma gets a little bit more since Oakland doesn't have a pass rush. Yeah, I like Uzoma as a, as a cheap guy this week. The you know the Raiders uh, the Raiders can't guard tight ends. You know T- Travis Kelsey went nuts against them. George Kittle had a big game, so I think that uh, he can get some there. You know Tyler Boyd's interesting. Fifty seven hundred DraftKings is a pretty good price. Twenty two targets the last two weeks. Nice game script in a game that you know they're going to have to score uh, a little bit because you think the defense is going to give some up. Also, uh, the Raiders giving up seven touchdowns to wide receivers the last four weeks. So yeah, if I'm in that if I'm in that mid range, there might be a couple guys I like more. But I think Tyler Boyd is someone that I, you know I'm writing down on my spreadsheet and, and considering. As as I kind of build if I need a mid-range guy. He pops up as a, a value play if you're just looking at like rotowire projections against salaries on both sites. So I'm, I'm wondering if I'm downgrading him in my head too much in what is a really favorable spot. I mean, Oakland's giving up 8.6 yards per attempt this season to opposing passers. How about a 3-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio too? They do, they do force turnovers, but 31 touchdowns allowed through the air. So uh, even Jeff Driscoll might be able to throw on this Oakland defense. Yeah, and Boyd's just the guy. I mean, he's, we mentioned how Mixon's you know getting all the work, but you know, Boyd's the one pass catcher they still have. He's got you know six or more targets the last four weeks, so he's still getting the ball. He's seen the ball. He's ability. He has ability to make big plays. Uh, at fifty seven hundred, I, I think he's priced a little bit too low. I think that uh, he's he's a nice he's a nice guy in the mid range there. I'm with you. Yeah, that's a kind of a dead spot in the price list for the most it part. Is. Uh, the other game we have though, with an over-under under 40 is Washington at Jacksonville. Over-under this game is 36. And even crazier is Jacksonville is a 7.5-point favorite. So it tells you just how low that implied total for the Redskins is. One of the lowest we've seen all year. Uh, anything on the Redskins side you're going to do? I mean, Vern- Vernon Davis has likely no Jordan Reed this week. He's priced at 3200 DraftKings. But I just think I'm, I'm a full fade on this Washington offense. I know Josh Johnson looked good last week when he came in. But I think I'm just avoiding them against Jacksonville. Davis would be that sort of punt play at tight end if you really want to save money. Otherwise, yeah, I think the game script could be bad for even for Peterson. Uh, Chris Thompson at 4,400 is okay, not great. We haven't really seen him do a whole lot since he came back. He's had 10 targets the last two weeks. So maybe this is the week where he takes a screen and, and turns it into something. Uh, but no, I, I think Washington's a pretty easy team to try and avoid. And, and Jacksonville, it's kind of like, where do you want to take your shot? For me, it's Leonard Fournette, and it's probably only in tournaments because he's priced at seventy five hundred. Like if, if you're 
if you're going to find players for a tournament that can can match his upside, you can actually do it this week and you can pay less. So I just think that means Leonard Fournette cruises by kind of relatively ignored just because of the way everything kind of sets up around him. Yeah, I am not a, a Leonard Fournette guy in terms of how you know fantastic I think he is, but I tell you what, at that price, with the way that I think everybody's going um, Barkley and Zeke, I really like him in a, in a tournament setup. 7500 the price is high enough where, you know, if you're going to look at it, you're going to go down to Mixon pretty easy. You can go down to Tariq to, to, to Cohen pretty easily. I think a lot of people will go, you know, pick David Johnson over Leonard Fournette this week, too. David Johnson going against the Falcons. I think Fournette slides through it at two lower percentages this week, and he's, you know, he hasn't been great, but the volume is always there. You know, Washington's going to probably try and stack the box because Cody Kessel doesn't scare anybody. But I just think if you're going to get a guy that's obviously talented, that's going to get a lot of volume in a a perfect game script, seven and a half point favorite, um, I think it's a perfect week to play Fournette. I don't think a lot of people will. I mentioned earlier that Redskins defense over the last six games, they've allowed almost 5.4 yards per carry and 293 receiving yards to opposing backs. So almost 50 yards per game uh, through the air, plus well over five yards per carry. Makes him third worst in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs over the last six games. 31 DraftKings points per game. So they might load the box and it might not matter. I mean, Fournette, yeah, he only had 16 touches last Thursday and got 41 yards with them. But every single week, he's getting a lot of volume. And that disappointing game last Thursday actually snapped a stretch of three straight games where he had at least 22 DraftKings points. And then included the early exit in which he was probably going to score again against the Bills a few weeks back. So I have a number in my head, but I want to ask you, what do you think his percentage is in, in DraftKings this week? I think it's about 7%. Uh, my number was 9, so we're, we're in the same ballpark. And uh, if he's single digits, I, I'm not a Fournette guy, but I love this play if he's, if he's single-digit percentage. Yeah, again, it comes down to how the board is set up, too. Like, there's going to just be so much concentrated ownership on Mixon and Big 2, like we talked about, that Fournette's going to yep. be just totally forgotten about. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he's, I think he's a prime tournament play this week. First one written up in my article for the uh, running back section. Beautiful. Is that out yet, or did I just, did I just guess that? Because I can't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yet. You've, no, it's not up yet. So you just guessed oh, good. it. All right. So nobody, nobody can say that I saw it first. That's perfect. Uh, anything else you want in this this Jacksonville offense? I mean, Didi Westbrook has been pretty good. Fifteen targets the last two weeks. Moncrief had ten targets last week, but I just don't think I want any part of a, a Cody Kessler offense. I think if Jacksonville scores, it's Fournette. Yeah, you nailed it. I think the other problem is that. I don't really see Washington putting a ton of points on the board. So if the Jags don't have to throw, they probably won't. And that keeps the attempts way down. Yeah. What about uh, what about the Jacksonville defense? 3,400 on DraftKings, the highest priced defense, 5,800 on FanDuel. They're just underneath uh, one of the defenses we talked about earlier in, in the Ravens at 5,000. Uh, Jags D, I just, I've played them a couple times thinking they're turning it around and they shut out Indy and then you know, terrible last week. It looked like they quit last week against Derrick Henry. And I rarely say that about professional teams, but they look like they quit last week. Uh, I think I'm just not touching this defense until I see something that makes me want to touch them. Yeah. I mean, Josh Johnson, as far as your, your, I know <laughs> your total unknowns at quarterback go had this huge performance coming off the bench last week. It was 11 of 16 for 195 yards and a touchdown plus 45 rushing yards and a score. And this was a guy that was playing Madden to learn his teammates' name, like names going that, into the week. That uh, that quote was beautiful. <laughs> He's forty three hundred on DraftKings, so I think I understand why people would play the Jags defense. I actually don't know if I'm going to have thirty four hundred to spare at the end. Like I, I think it's going to be closer to like three thousand or twenty eight hundred, and that extra few hundred bucks is going to make a big difference. So 
Uh, while I understand why people want to play the Jags defense at home against Josh Johnson, I think there's other really good defenses that cost less. So I probably won't have much exposure if I have any at all. It, I mean, it's crazy. You know, in the last year that Josh Johnson, Josh Johnson threw a pass in a regular season game was uh, like 2011. 2011 is a fantastic guess. He took he had some uh, he had some uh, snaps in uh, 2012 and 2013 where he looks like he came in and just that knelt knelt on the ball and end of games. But last pass in the NFL was 2011. I mean that's that's crazy. That's seven years. I mean that's a long time in the NFL. There's there's so many ways we could go with this conversation, and I'll just yeah, say I agree not, with your let's amazement. Not, let's not we're, do not, it. we're not going to go down <laughs> that road. That's a it's a that's a good uh, good plan. I don't want to go down that road either. Um, Moving on to the next game, we've got Arizona at Atlanta. Atlanta's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, not playing well, but home against Arizona obviously leads to that big number, over-under of 44. On the Arizona side, uh, Josh Rosen has not been impressive lately, uh, starting to struggle in his rookie year here. Uh, But what about David Johnson? How about that uh, eight catches for 12 receiving yards last week? Getting chances, not cashing them in. I'm still frustrated (laughs) by the game uh, a couple weeks ago in Green Bay where you know he had 21 touches – only 72 yards, but Chase Edmonds scored twice. But that is just oh, yeah, that was, such a slap that was in the face. Uh, Johnson yeah. is, is kind of like the same mindset that I have with Leonard Fournette, where he's priced in the 7,000 range, getting volume, not doing a ton with it lately. Fournette's been doing more with his opportunities most weeks. Last week, kind of being an exception. Uh, I see it in tournaments. I don't think it's a must play. I just think it's on that list of contrarian things you can do where you're going to get him under 10% owned and he might go off because Atlanta's defense is vulnerable. Yeah, I kind of like it just because the Atlanta defense, I just, I like Fournette more on the spot. It's pretty much the same price. So I think I'm going to probably lean more towards Fournette, but you know, they've given up 80 plus total yards to every running back. The last three, last five games, the Falcons have Johnson does have 19 plus touches in each of the last six games, you know, with, with Byron left, which he's really been a different player, but I just think I like Fournette a little bit more in a game that the, that the Jaguars are probably going to be ahead. This is a game where the, the Cardinals are probably behind. Um, I just think I like Fournette more, and it's, it's probably an either-or for me in most of my lineups. What do you think about Fitzgerald, though, this week? I mean, 4,700 on DraftKings especially. You get the full point for every catch. Is he of interest to you in any sort of format? Yeah, I mean, he is. I wish I trusted Josh Rosen a little bit more, but, you know, the volume's there with Fitz. He had he had nine nine targets last week and six the week before that, but you know, one game over 100 yards all year, and that was 102. I just, I think the ceiling is so limited, but the price, uh, and if you're playing on DraftKings, we have full PPR. I think the price works pretty well, but he's got to score for it for it to work out. Yeah, even if it's like eight catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown, that makes a very big difference if he gets into the end zone. Yeah, it's huge. And I mean, eight for 70 is, you know, that's, I think that's pretty ceiling-ish too. Yeah, that's that's kind of dreaming right now with with the way Rosen's playing I think a lot of people are going to think about the Falcons as a good cheap defense this week at least for tournaments um, because they're they're close enough to like the Bears and the Ravens where you can probably find the extra couple hundred bucks but if you can't the Falcons with Deion Jones back I think they can bring a little more pressure I think they can definitely get to Rosen Rosen's going to make some mistakes as a rookie Uh, Atlanta dropped at least two interceptions last week against Aaron Rodgers one of them I think was Deion Jones himself which could have been a, a pick six even so I look at the Falcons as kind of this maybe overlooked defense this week with a really nice home spot against Rosen. Yeah, they did have four sacks against the Packers last week. So, you know, you, if you pick a defense that's uh, a little bit contrarian and, and cheap and under the radar, you, you want something that has a, has a decent uh, sack floor. And, uh, you know, that's that's a good one. Rosen has 12 picks so far this year in 11 games. So I do like that idea. What about the Falcons offense? Uh, you've got Matt Ryan priced at 6,100 on DraftKings. I just... 
I wonder how much they're going to have to throw this week. Yeah, that's that's the concern. And if they run it, I mean, Tevin Coleman uh, just disappeared from the game last week. He was getting four and a half yards a carry, but only did 10 carries. I thought he'd get closer to 20 touches last week. I thought they'd kind of spike that up a little bit. I thought part of the reason why he wasn't good in weeks 11, 12, and 13 was from playing really good run defenses, the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Ravens. But they seem to have this fascination with making Edo Smith at least a part of the game plan. Uh, so I just I don't really like Atlanta a lot this week. Um, Kelvin Ridley is probably the player that I'm most interested in because of the price at 5000 I mean, Julio's going to see a lot of Patrick Peterson. And I think with that, you got Ridley on the other side, maybe getting more favorable coverage. And I think it's going to be somewhat popular. I think that's going to be something people are, are often turning to to get some savings at wide receiver with a pretty high upside play. Yeah, I think so too. I think with the you mentioned the Patrick Peterson note, so I think people will probably uh, you know want the want the receiver on the other side of the uh, the other side of the field, and that's that's Calvin Ridley. But you know what do you do with Julio in that situation? You get uh, you know the best receiver in the NFL at a lower percentage than usual in a game that's indoors at home where they they tend to thrive with their offense. Hundred plus yards in eight of his last ten games. You had the two touchdowns last week off the terrible game the week before. Uh, do you like Julio in, in a tournament situation where he, he's probably a little bit lower owner owned than we see most weeks? I do. We'll see if he's back at practice Friday. He actually left uh, with some flu-like symptoms on Thursday. So if those persist a little bit, I'd probably back off. But uh, if you're looking at Thielen and Antonio Brown and then Julio, they're all within $200 of each other. Julio, I think, is going to be quite a bit lower owned than both Thielen and Brown in their respective matchups. And I think that does make him kind of interesting in tournaments. I don't know if I'll have any builds to pull it off because I think my – more frequent tournament move with the top end receiver is going to be that Devonte Adams play that we talked about a little earlier. So you mentioned Thielen uh, last morning game. It's a, it's a weird split this week. We have nine morning games, only two in the afternoon, Miami at Minnesota, Minnesota, seven point favorite over under 44 and a half Minnesota coming off that brutal performance on Monday night against the Seahawks. I have no idea what the hell that was, but it was awful to watch. It was really bad. Um, John DeFilippo yeah, out as awful. the offensive coordinator. Um, yep. <laughs> At a certain point, we have to wonder, is Mike Zimmer part of the problem? And I'm not trying to like draw the ire of his family. I'm not I'm not criticizing him as a human <laughs> being or anything like that. I'm just You think you think his family listens to the podcast? Oh, I don't know. I think I think his daughter had an Instagram <laughs> post that was just blasting Vikings fans and you know oh, wow. fans are out of their minds most of the time anyway, so they probably <laughs> deserved it. Anyway, the the cousins thing, okay, so I, I wrote him up as a as a tournament play in the DraftKings article. Mostly because I'm stupid. That, that's probably the main reason why I did it. He looked horrible like on Monday night. He didn't look good against the Patriots in Week 13 either. I thought that was going to be a big shootout game. I think we both liked that game as a possible shootout a yep. couple weeks ago. He's got what two of the top ten receivers with Thielen and Diggs, like really good receivers. And I just wonder if 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 Xavier, if Xavier Howard doesn't play, especially if they can get right this week and if cousins can go nuts, he's had some really big games this season. Like they've, un- they've un- unraveled these last few weeks without question, but you go back through his game log three forty two and three against the Packers as recently as week 12. I mean, he got two sixty two and two against the bears on the road in week 11, a lot of attempts, but he, that's, that's not a terrible output against a very good defense. Uh, three fifty nine, couple scores against the saints in week eight, 422, three TDs against the Rams back in week four. Uh, 425 and four TDs in that game that went to overtime against the Packers back in week two. I mean, he's he's had huge games in good spots, 
And home against Miami is actually a very good spot, especially if Howard's out, but even if Howard plays. I uh, I tend to agree. I think he's uh, he's a guy that I, when I first looked at this slate kind of jumped out to me, and he's he's still priced pretty high, sixty two hundred on DraftKings. So he's you know he's a higher than Tom Brady. He's higher than a number of the quarterbacks we've talked about so far. Seventy eight hundred on FanDuel is a, is a is a better price there. He's under eight thousand there, but. I just don't know what's happened in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, I know Seattle it, it can can play well, especially at home. But I mean, that was just a brutal performance. I mean, granted, his offensive line sucks. The offense, the Vikings' offensive line is just terrible right now. I mean, he was he was dropping back, and you know there wasn't much there. But you know, I saw some stats that he was he wasn't pressured nearly as much as it looked like. He was kind of bailing out of plays early that make it look like the the pressure was worse than it was. I just I wish I knew what was going on with him right now because the the setup and the offense, you know, the, the pass catchers are both really nice here. Yeah, I mean Miami doesn't have a very good pass rush. So I think that bodes well for Minnesota, maybe doing a little better up front in this matchup. And I think people are going to stay away because the price is high, like you said. He's the fourth most expensive quarterback on the main slate. So how quickly they make adjustments with DiFilippo gone, I mean, that's anybody's guess. And and maybe maybe it's dumb to play a quarterback the first week with a new coordinator. Maybe that's a total idiot play. I, I, I I've opened my mind to that possibility. But I just look at the weapons there. Their season's hanging in the balance. I look at the overall track record just within this season and see some of those high points, and I have a very difficult time not wanting to use Kirk Cousins as one of my main quarterbacks in tournament lineups. And you look at what Miami's done, given up to quarterbacks the last three weeks: three fifty-eight and three touchdowns to Brady last week. Uh, you know, one hundred and one hundred sixty or two three hundred sixty-six combined yards to Josh Allen the week before that. He had the one hundred thirty-five rushing and two thirty-one passing, and then three forty-three and three touchdowns to Andrew Luck the week before that. So, I mean, if you're looking for a, a defense to get healthy against this Miami defense, has certainly been that the last three weeks against quarterbacks. So, if you do play Cousins, are you going to pair him with Diggs? Or are you going to pair him with Thielen? Do you have a, Do you have a vibe or a feel on which one you like more this week? You know, because Cousins is actually pretty expensive. And if I'm going tournaments anyway, it's probably digs because you're saving a little bit compared to Thielen. Uh, and you're getting a guy that still has a large share of targets in the Vikings offense. I mean, it'd be great to have room for Thielen. Um, but I think that's the that's the first combo I'd make if I only had one shot at it with Cousins. And the other thing I think we got to throw out there is like these last two games. Yeah, Seattle and New England have made them look stupid on the road at Seattle and New England. Those are two of the more difficult places to play in the league. Like, yeah, like really like, I mean, that's a, that's a tough test. So everything seems like it's falling apart for him right now. I think this is a good time to buy in for tournaments and I'm pairing cousins with digs. If I only get one lineup, if I were going to make like three cousins lineups, then I'd probably have one digs, one cousins and maybe one where I even put in both with cousins and go crazy. But I'm not that kind of player. I don't have 30 lineups most weeks, so I don't have that luxury. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Thielen with the million hundred week hundred yard weeks in a row. It, it's wild. I mean, after that stretch, he has uh, under hundred yards in four of the last five games. Has scored in three of those. I just I feel like Thielen's due for a big one. I mean, it's, uh, there's not much analysis of that, but it just it kind of feels like this is a game where the Vikings go back to we're at home. Let's feed our studs. Um, I like Thielen and Diggs, but I think I'd go Thielen. But obviously, the price matters. But I just feel like Thielen's due for like a nine one forty five two touchdown kind of game, and I just I think they're going to make sure that they get him. They ignored him in the first half of the last couple of games. It's been really weird that you know the second half they throw him the ball, but the first half they just haven't he hasn't seen the ball at all. You got to think uh, you got to think they try, they try and fix that this week. That 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 was the fireable offense last week. By the way, yeah, it was just, terrible. How do you not target him at all? Like that's just that's ridiculous. And if that's Cousins just being afraid to throw into the coverage or something, then you as the offensive coordinator need to be talking to him on the sidelines after the first couple series saying, hey, 
here's what we're going to do to get him open. Here's what you're going to do to throw him the ball, and you, you work it out. Now, if you don't want to buy in on Cousins, I get it. Dalvin Cook at 6,500 is pretty interesting this week. You kind of wonder if the Zimmer plan is going to be getting Cook even more involved. He's had a ton of opportunities to catch passes these last two weeks, and they've been playing from behind. So I'm not going to put a lot of stock into 17 targets the last two games as part of what Dalvin Cook is right now. But if they are playing well, he's probably getting more than 13 carries. He's probably going to get 16-plus, going to catch a few passes. He's explosive, and Miami's run defense has been pretty soft this year. What do you think about Delvin Cook this week if you have doubts about the Minnesota passing game with Cousins at the helm? It's funny. I, I wrote the same thing. I said, you know, the 70 targets the last two weeks, but then you got to figure if you know, the, maybe those those touches uh, turn from receptions into carries this week. And I like him. I just I wonder if they get ahead, if they, you know, don't go some Latavius Murray, too. They just if they haven't they haven't felt like they really want to feed Dalvin Cook this year at any point. And, you know, it, Murray's only played 20 snaps the last two weeks, so maybe he's not as much of a threat as I'm concerned about. But I just think uh, in a tournament, sure, but I, I think in any uh, you know any lineup where I'm really looking at kind of playing my best lineup, it's hard for me to get from from Joe Mixon to Dalvin Cook at, for the price for almost the same price. Yeah, that's the that's the thing is like you might just want to eat the Mixon chalk in tournaments because he's probably underpriced by fifteen hundred dollars. I think Dalvin Cook's really, really good and a lot better player than we've seen so far this year, though. So I'm, I'm hoping that flashes in these last three weeks. But uh, certainly a disappointing season. But I mean, I think the guy's a stud. It just hasn't worked so far. I've got a few ideas, though. I, I think there's there's room for him in a lineup where if you want to do something really chalky with the two running backs and then throw him in as your flex or something, I think yep. that, could, that could actually work out. And then it's just a matter of having a, a quarterback-receiver combo that's a little bit lower-owned and I think you can build interesting lineups with Delvin Cook in them. You don't necessarily have to play him ahead of Mixon. Maybe you could play him with Mixon as a flex. Yeah, you could go. Uh, you go Zeke, Mixon, and Cook, and you know Cook kind of slides in for the for the Jeff Wilson, Jalen Samuel spot. So you pay up a little bit there and get better production, and then maybe you pay down at uh, at tight end or something. I, I can see it working. Um, I do like uh, I like getting a guy who I think is this good at sixty five hundred. I just uh, I'm gonna have to figure out if I can if I can squeeze him in. I just I wish I was a little more confident that if they have a seven point lead in the second half, they're gonna feed him like he should be fed. Yeah, I, I, that's why you're getting the discount. But twenty twenty six yep. is the implied total on this slate. That's high. Like that's that's really high. So especially compared to like Jeff Wilson, who again I, I do like at the price. You're getting something that's quite a bit more interesting, even though you got to pay a good bit to get there. Minnesota's going over 26 this week, by the way. Yeah, if you think they're going over, if you think they're pushing 30-plus this week, Cook should go crazy. Yeah, I, I hope so, although I think the receivers uh, do really well, too. I think I think Minnesota's one of those spots that I think this is a, a very much of a, a get-well game. I think that uh, at home against a defense that can be had a little bit and a team that can score a little bit. I think you know, Miami might be able to hang in there a little bit and, and push Minnesota to score a little bit. I think over 26 is a, uh, is a bet I like on their side. What do you do then with the Miami offense? I mean, if you are believing Minnesota goes nuts, Miami has to try and keep pace. How do they do it? I mean, Tannehill's under 5K. He's 4,900 on DraftKings. Kenyon Drake's still cheap at 4,200. The uh, Brandon Bolden game last week had to be one of the most surprising <laughs> games of the year, too. That was just totally nuts. But uh, what do you want to do with the Dolphins this week? I mean, Kenny Stills at 4,300 in tournaments? They don't have a they don't have a guy over five thousand on on DraftKings on their whole team. That, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I feel like they are right around that every single week. Like if they don't pull that off regularly, they're kind of close. <laughs> 
I think Kenyon Drake with the thought that, you know, Minnesota is in the lead and Drake becomes the receiving guy out of the backfield. And, you know, maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll uh, he'll go Hail Mary or whatever the miracle times too and, and pay off. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's had double digit fantasy points in three straight games now. I think maybe the, the Colts matchup in week 12 where they lost by three it was a 27, 24 loss. Only eight carries for 32 yards, but he scored once on the ground. He also had six targets, turned that into five catches for 64 and a TD. That's sort of the ceiling you're looking for. And at 4,200, man, that's that's pretty enticing. If you can find Kenyon Drake 18 to 20 DraftKings points even at that price, you're going to come away really happy. Yeah, it, it's an interesting setup. If you wanted to go um, you know, a Cousins Thielen or Cousins Diggs with the thought that they go crazy in a tournament – and then you kind of bring Drake back at 4,200 on the other side. You know that that correlation works really well because if Minnesota scores a lot, then Drake's gonna be the one that's gonna be most more involved more than Frank Gore. I smell a game stack. I like it. That's uh, uh, I, I thought Drake was a little more expensive at 4,200. I think he uh, he becomes very playable if this game flows as we think it's gonna flow. Yeah, I'm looking for the price over on FanDuel out of my sheet here, and I think he tends to be a yeah, 6,500 over there. So you don't get quite the ridiculous yeah. breakdown, and you're only getting a half point, of course, for every catch. So. A little bit less interesting over there uh, by comparison. Agreed. Uh, moving on to the afternoon games, uh, we'll we'll stick with the uh, the more boring of the two first. Seattle at San Francisco. Seattle has won nine straight games against the 49ers. As a 49ers fan, this has been a painful stretch. Most of those games have not been very close. Uh, Seattle's fared by four in Levi Stadium this week. Uh, on the Seattle side, I find it hard to figure out what to do with this offense. Uh, you know, we talked a bunch about Russell Wilson a couple weeks ago, how he's playing really well. He's efficient, but, you know, the pass attempts are not there. And it's hard to get that ceiling. You know, he had four touchdowns against the Niners last game in week 13, but it was on 17 passes and 185 yards. It's really hard to bank on that. And uh, I think his game on Monday night against the Vikings was the worst I've seen Russell Wilson ever play. The interception he threw before halftime maybe oh. was the worst interception I've seen thrown <laughs> in an NFL game. By a starting quarterback. It was, it was that bad. It was like it like Ryan Leaf level bad. It was so bad. I I don't know what was happening. I almost kind of wondered if he was concussed on a previous play and they all missed it. And then like while he was feeling the effects of a concussion, he just forgot where he was and threw that floater. But wow. I thought I thought he I thought he drank that sparkling water that solves concussions. Yeah, the concussion water. Oh, man, yeah, like, I, I I generally kind of like as much as I can actually like Russell Wilson since he played at Wisconsin for a year and was awesome on that team, even though I kind of hate him as an NFL player because of what he's done to the Packers and that concussion water thing just bugs the crap <laughs> out of me. It's just, it's, it's just total garbage. I can't believe he was, he was shilling that. But the thing I like about <laughs> Seattle this week is Tyler Lockett in tournaments. He's priced up. He's got a season high price, which might steer some people away. But as you know, you want you want to pick on San Francisco Pick on him with pass oh, yeah. catchers. Like that's that's the place to do it. For a guy that's getting twelve point four yards per target, he doesn't need high volume to be productive. He's had to do it with limitations all season long. And, and part of the reason they don't have a, a lot of attempts, like at least a, one of a few reasons, is that when Tyler Lockett gets twelve point four yards per target, that simply reduces the number of plays you have to run. Like it, it's just kind of the byproduct of having a guy going nuts like that. So uh, Lockett in tournaments is probably the most interesting thing. On the Seattle side, and then depending on what happens with Brita, I think Jeff Wilson's probably the most interesting thing on the San Francisco side. 
And with the thought on Lockett, I mean, I, I think that Seattle might have to throw a little bit. I mean, the Niners with Nick Mullins, they, they're like fifth in yards per game. The last five games, they had like 395 yards per game or something like that. I mean, they've been, they have been better on offense uh, since going from Beathard to Mullins. So I think that, you know, maybe they hang on a little bit. They're better against Seattle when they're at home. They're terrible up at uh, up in Seattle when they play there. But you mentioned Jeff Wilson, 4,600 on DraftKings, very active the last couple of weeks, 23 touches for 138 yards when they played Seattle two weeks ago. So already had success in against this uh, defense just very recently had 24 touches last week obviously he would need Matt Breida to be out but uh, you know if you're looking to save money 4600 is really nice there if you uh, you know him or Kenyon Drake we talked about a little bit ago at uh, kind of the cheaper running backs uh, what about Dante Pettis weirdly has seven targets each of the last three games really been meshing well with Nick Mullins he's got a big play upside four touchdowns last three games that touchdown he had at the goal line last week was just nasty he, he fooled that DB so badly but uh, 4400 on, on Pettis do you like him at all this week I should like him more than I, I probably do. I mean, he he went kind of went off two weeks ago. Why are these teams playing yep. twice in three weeks? Like I I hate, I hate that. I hate that. It's so stupid. It's a thing I complain about every year. I gotta I gotta just get over it. Uh, but, I mean, Pettis has scored in three straight games, and I, I like I like that they just don't really have anything else behind George Kittle in the pecking order for targets. So I, I think Pettis is definitely one of those cheap playable receivers. I'm legitimately wondering if he's going to be kind of high owned though this week i mean where do you where do you think ownership falls on dante pettis at 4400 on DraftKings? i'm gonna go uh 12 percent. okay so not not terrible but no but not, but not i mean enough for a guy yeah for a guy that cheap not sneaky i think uh especially with that you, you mentioned the line against seattle two weeks ago i think he's definitely gonna be a little bit popular but you know guys that cheap are never super popular unless it's an obvious play but you mentioned George Kittle, obviously the monster game last week. I feel silly, but I was legitimately upset they didn't get him five yards in the second half. <laughs> I don't know. What what is happening there? Like why did why did that play out that way? How do you not throw him a freaking slant in the fourth quarter for seven yards? I don't know. I I really don't know. I I think all of football Twitter was puzzled by that. <laughs> and it's funny because Shanahan, after the game, he was mic'd up and coming off the field, he said, I'm sick. We didn't get you five more yards. I'm like, well, not that sick because you could have done it pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, that's like a, a, a moment of like Adam Gay's brain for, for Kyle Shanahan. What are you doing, dude? And I mean, not only that, but like suddenly, you know, the, the Broncos started catching up. I'm like, OK, you got to just run offense. He's your best offensive player. So it should also come within the flow of the game, not just trying to get those extra five yards. But we mentioned Kittle. He's the most expensive uh, uh, tight end this week. Sixty three hundred on DraftKings because, uh, you know, Ertz is not on this slate. Uh, he has seven hundred yards after the catch. He has more than a hundred yards, more than any other play after the catch. And that's just not tight ends. That's wide receivers, too. That's not normal. I mean, you just don't no. see tight ends play like that. Okay, so with Ebron and Gronk and maybe Jared Cook kind of lumped in in the high 5,000s as, as players that people are chasing, Kittle, can, can you find the extra money for Kittle this week? Do you make that a priority play? I have a weird feeling that Seattle's going to make that a priority play and really focus on him. So I think I'd probably save the 700 bucks on Ebron this week as much as I obviously, and you know how much I love George Kittle. But uh, I think that uh, I think Seattle's going to focus on him, and I think I go to Ebron. If you're worried about the the matchup though in in that game, like I I don't think you need to. I just think they can they can do plenty of damage. Like T. Y. Hilton is going to be fine against Byron Jones anyway. Ebron's going to be that second read on a lot of plays, so I, I think Ebron's the safest tight end on the board this week. Yeah, and the way they force him the ball in the in the end zone in the red zone, I just I love when they force force balls to guys in the red zone. It's a, it's always something you want to have. Yeah, I, I agree. 
So last game of the day, save the best for last. You mentioned earlier, it's like five and a half points higher than any other total in this game. And it, you know, it, the way they set it up, nine morning games, two afternoon games, this is kind of a second or a second primetime game on Sunday afternoon. It's uh, the Patriots and the Steelers, obviously two big name teams, Brady and Roethlisberger. Uh, Patriots favored by two and a half on the road, which kind of surprised me a little bit. I guess um, Pittsburgh coming out that loss to Oakland, uh, you know, shouldn't be too surprising. Over under 52 and a half. Uh, everybody's going to want some pieces of this game. Uh, what are your favorite parts of it, starting with the New England side? Brady and Cash, fifty nine hundred on DraftKings. I, I totally too cheap. Why is he so? Why is he so cheap there? I don't know. I mean, I I liked him last week in Miami, and it, it worked out. And he was like two and a half percent owned or something in the slant, oh. which is just insane. Nice. I, I don't I don't know why people were ignoring him last week either. Aside from the price being down, but that's going to change because this game pops on the slate as. A close game with the highest over-under by far. The attention on Tom Brady will be 12 15% ownership probably instead of 2 to 3 <laughs> So that's going to be a shift. He's a lot cheaper than Roethlisberger on DraftKings too, but I think people are going to go after that. Um, as far as like who to pair him with, I, I think it's Edelman first, Gronk second, and then Gordon's still kind of a, a tournament play. When all the pieces are out there, that target volume for Gordon, as we've seen in a few recent games, can bottom out. Last week when they had to throw more, though, they got nine targets to Josh Gordon. I think this is going to be a good back-and-forth offensive battle. So I think there's a lot of different ways you can attack it on the New England side. But really, the priority order for me is is Brady with a combination of Edelman or Gronk, and then Josh Gordon's kind of that next option. Yeah, and Pittsburgh's been struggling against slot receivers. Like Keenan Allen had 14 for a buck 48, and he kept getting matched up on linebackers two weeks ago. And then Emmanuel Sanders had 88 yards and a touchdown the week before that. So, I mean, Edelman lines up pretty well. 12 targets last week, 86 yards and a touchdown. I He's my favorite uh, combo with Brady, too. Do you touch the uh, do you touch the Patriots running backs at all? I mean, James White only six touches last week, ten or fewer in three of the last four weeks. It's, it's definitely changed uh, with everybody kind of healthy in that backfield. Nice game script for him though. And this is a kind of a game where where James White can really eat with uh, you know a lot of points, close games. Uh, you know they can use him out of the backfield. But when everybody's healthy and they have Gordon now and, and Gronkowski, it seems like James White's not quite that red zone guy that he was early in the season. Yeah, red zone role is different, and volume wise, the ceiling's lower than it was when a lot of guys were hurt. So I think. I think that's the thing you're looking at. You're probably hoping that White does his damage on like 12 to 14 total touches. You kind of need New England to fall behind early and, and be in a lot more obvious passing situations throughout if you're going to use White this week. Uh, I actually prefer Sony Michelle in tournaments to James White if you're going to go at the New England backfield. Uh, but as I build lineups, I don't think I'll have enough entries out there to actually get that far down the list. So you're going Sony Michelle as the James Devlin fade then? Yeah, fade, fading James Devlin this week. <laughs> what about Gronkowski? I mean, it's funny because we everybody saw the play with the 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 miracle play where he didn't make the tackle and looked bad and looked really stiff. But then you look up, he had eight targets, eight catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he kind of looked like Gronk for most of that game, aside from the the failed tackle near the end. Yeah, matched the season high in targets and and had his best game since week one. I mean, that's a uh, a huge positive uh, i think with gronk i people are still going to have some trust issues because with everybody healthy they can spread the ball around a lot but i think when he's healthy he's one of the few options they want to throw to in the red zone when they're going to air it out so you know you, you look at him as a guy that's probably going to be high owned but not as highly owned as ebron and maybe you prefer him more in tournaments than in, in cash games but i think he's still cash game viable uh, especially with new england being the highest implied total on the board this week 
And Jared Cook had 116 yards against them as a tight end last week. And, you know, Derek Carrier and Lee Smith both scored touchdowns. So, you know, Pittsburgh struggled against tight ends last week. So I could see that. But I, I think I'm still uh, I think I'm still Brady Edelman. I think I agree with you on the stack. My favorite stack there. What about the Steelers side? Uh, all I've heard this week is how Juju Smith-Schuster is now the number one. He's better than Antonio Brown. I just kind of feel like the huge A-B game is coming. And I, I think I'm playing him pretty heavily this week. They can both be really good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, they can. That is that is. One. I wish that was just they can both be awesome. There doesn't have to be one better than the other. But it feels like the talk this week is that Juju's taken over. And I think that talk – I love Juju. I think that talk's a little premature. I mean, Antonio Brown had 13 targets in three straight games, had 154 yards and a score on 10 catches against the Chargers in Week 13. And because he didn't smash against the Raiders, now now we're kind of questioning whether he or Juju's the true number one there. That's just – I, I it's don't silly. Know. It doesn't seem yeah. like it's worth anyone's time to really sweat that right now. They're both priced close enough to each other where if you you think you're getting 20 plus points, you're thinking about it because ownership on Brown especially will probably be a little bit deflated since all this Smith Schuster talk is is going to probably pump up his ownership. We've talked about Juju several times this year as the easy way to get exposure to Pittsburgh's passing game and to save yep. a thousand or more doing it. And now that the gap's only 500, are you more inclined to just find 500 for Antonio Brown? This week, 100%. I love stud receivers coming off bad games. We, you know, Last week, Julio with the 18 yards scored twice last week. Last week, uh, Antonio Brown, five for 35 yards. I mean, that never happens in a game for him. And, you know, Juju obviously went crazy. But um, I love A.B. this week. Thirty, Still 33 targets the last three weeks. I think uh, Roethlisberger Brown's probably my favorite stack of the week. I do like your cousin, the cousin Steelin one, too. But uh, I think even in lineups where I don't play Ben, I'm going to try and get Antonio Brown in. It's just going to be a matter of you can't uh, you can't have everybody. And we everybody's going to want one of those big running backs. So it's a matter of finding those cheap guys. But. I'm going to try and find a line the money for Brown in most of my lineups this week. I mean, looking back at, at some of the previous matchups too, he gets plenty of targets, plenty of opportunities against the Patriots. Uh, I'm not really worried about New England completely shutting him down or anything like that. So uh, it's weird. Yet again, it just feels like Antonio Brown's almost more of a tournament play because of what everybody's likely to do with their builds. He's going off this week. All right, put, mark, mark it down. Antonio Brown's going off this week. Yeah, he should. Uh, he's my he's my uh, receiver of the week for sure. I like him and Thielen, but I, I'm going Brown number one this week. What about Jalen Samuels? Uh, Con- James Conner looks pretty doubtful to play. Obviously, you want to know that before you uh, decide to play him. It is the it is the late game, but I think we'll know on, uh, by Saturday afternoon whether Conner is going to play. Uh, Samuels was clearly the guy last week. Stephen Ridley stole the touchdown, which is a little frustrating, but he outsnapped him like fifty to ten or something like that. Or I think it was forty-eight to eight. Uh, he only had 111 carries for twenty-eight yards rushing, but looked really good out of backfield. Obviously, he was a tight end in college a bunch of times. So seven uh, seven targets, seven catches, sixty-four yards. He's pumped up a little bit price-wise to fifty-two hundred on DraftKings. Like last week, he was forty-six hundred. Uh, do you like Samuels this week? If you're not going to go with Brown or Schuster, you can't fit them in a lineup. Uh, how do you feel about Samuels this week in this game? That should be a lot of points. I mean, I like him on DraftKings because of that pass catching role I do have some doubts about yep. him as a runner I, I think that's a legitimate concern uh, we just haven't even in the preseason I don't think the efficiency was really there and again you can only put so much stock in that but this is a, a interesting spot for him I think he'll be heavily involved again as a pass catcher and clearly like they're comfortable using him in that role I mean seven catches on seven targets last week I just thought even against even if he's not a very good runner Against Oakland, he should have got four yards of carry because Oakland's just yeah. bad. Like that, that's the that's the little concerning thing for me with Samuels, but still priced down enough at fifty two hundred. 
where I want to prioritize him uh, if Connor's ruled out, especially at that price on DraftKings. So we talked about uh, we talked about Juju and AB, but what about Roethlisberger? He's uh, he's seven hundred more than Brady on uh, DraftKings, seven hundred more on FanDuel. Also, obviously back at home where he plays better. Uh, he said he, he missed a bunch of time last week in the game. You know, he missed most of the second half and still had two hundred eighty-two yards and two touchdowns. Came back in late and threw the touchdown to, to Smith Schuster. Seven games over three hundred yards passing. You know, he's been a huge stack guy this year. Great game script. Uh, do you spend the money up to get uh, him over Brady, him over Cousins, him over other quarterbacks you may like? And do you think the 6,600, a uh, second question, you think that keeps his percentage down a little bit? You think he's, he's popular? I think he's pretty popular in cash. I think in tournaments he'll be somewhat popular, but not so much that having him is going to be any sort of, of detriment. Uh, I think with with Ben, like you, you look at this spot and you think, is this one of those 350-plus games? Like He's done that against the Patriots several times. So He's gone over 350 against the Patriots, I think, in four of their last five regular season meetings, uh, that's that's kind of like the makeup of this game, right? So the problem I have with Roethlisberger is just finding the extra money at quarterback in particular this week, especially when Brady on the other side is under 6K. So I think my exposure is going to be more either with Samuels or one of the receivers uh, and less with Ben himself. Yeah, I need to play with it a bit, but uh, you know, thinking about it out loud, it's going to be hard to get one of Saquon and Zeke uh, within with Ben and Antonio Brown. So it's going to, I'm going to try and build one of those and see how it looks for the rest of the lineup. It could be really tough. So I wonder if just the up and the the price up on on Ben and Antonio Brown maybe keeps them a little lower percentage than than we think, and that would be really nice in tournaments. But uh, just with the expensive running backs, I think they're going to be so popular. I just wonder how much you know. There's only so much money you can spend. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how much how high Ben's going to be since he's the he's the highest priced quarterback. I mean, if you if you were going to stack Roethlisberger with Antonio Brown, do you offset cost by sneaking in Vance McDonald for thirty nine hundred at tight end? You got to got to probably pay down at tight end if you're going to play Ben and Antonio Brown in the same lineup, don't you? You you do have to play down at tight end. I just don't think I really want to do Vance McDonald. I think uh, if I were to go in that range. I'd probably go Evan Ingram before him. I'd probably go uh, Jimmy Graham before him. I'd probably go CJ Uzuma, Uz, Uzuma before him. I just, uh, I don't know. Vance has burned me so many times. I just I just don't trust the guy. Yeah, Uzoma at 3,600. I think I'd keep paying down if I was starting to think that way and couldn't pull it off. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you could go uh, as low as your guy, Anthony Ferkser. I was going to say, when in doubt, 2900 for Anthony Ferkser, it's, it's hard to go wrong there. <laughs> it's not that hard to go wrong there. The one thing you don't do, though, is you don't go down to 2600 to go to Ricky Seals-Jones because that guy's the worst. Yeah, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, never. I mean, that, that's a Josh Rosen sort of problem. And now that we've said that, he'll probably score. So let's all <laughs> no look forward there. to that now. Yeah, no. Anytime I say something that extreme, I, it, it locks in that 60 yards and a touchdown. I, I look forward to seeing Ricky Seals-Jones with the long score this week. Hey, you know what? You're better than hot takes. So if, if, if when you have a hot take, it gets punished <laughs> and it keeps you from unleashing more of them, it's only a good thing. That is uh, that is very true. So anybody else uh, on this slate you want to discuss? Anything else uh, game-wise, slate-wise, life-wise you want to talk about? No, no. I, I, I need I need a vacation. Like I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the holiday season to get here and for January to arrive so I can take some kind of winter trip. I think you're in the same boat. It's been a crazy busy stretch for you as well. It has. Uh, is 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 Christmas and the holidays relaxing for you? Is it a stressful family, stressful kind of thing? No, nah, it's relaxing. You know, I think part That's of it's nice. not having kids. Like, there's not really a lot of stuff I have to do. And, um, you know, Steph's family does a lot of work for a gathering. And my family does a lot. And I, I just, I'm in that middle ground where I 
I'm not a parent. And I don't have to host anything. So it's usually like, hey, pick up some nice beer and come over. And that's that's really easy. That is uh, you. You're a good person for that. I'm, I'm just lucky right now. I know that's going to change. Things will not <laughs> always be this way. Uh, they won't. I got to tell you that uh, I'm not a huge Christmas person, but having a little one does make it a little more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you got that to look forward to. She is uh, she is pretty stoked for Santa Claus to bring her a lot of things that aren't very expensive at the moment. So that's uh, that's good all the way around for everybody. That's a big win. Yeah, I'm not. That's not going to last long. She's only three. So uh, give her a couple years and she's going to want to pick the most expensive things. But right now it's cheap and simple and things that are easy. So it uh, it's nice. Hey, we'll enjoy that while it lasts. Yeah, no doubt. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the uh, Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week 15. I can't believe we've made it this far. Uh, if you could please rate and review the podcast, that'd be greatly appreciated. If you do happen to enjoy listening to us, we greatly appreciate if you leave a, leave a nice comment, leave a bunch of stars. That would be uh, that would be fantastic. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Scott Jenstead. Uh, Derek is at Derek Van Riper. I am starting to shift to baseball talk a little bit on my Twitter, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to play these last three weeks pretty heavy on DFS and football, so I'll be talking about that. Uh, you know, Most of my season-long leagues are done. I'm still in the NFFC prime time, but uh, my focus in the last three weeks are going to be DFS-wise. How about you? Yeah, it's going to be mostly DFS at this point, but I'm, I'm ready for baseball. Like, I'm probably going to start doing some draft champion stuff about the second week of January. I know some people are already in multiple leagues, but I'm going to take a little time, gather my thoughts, and go at it probably the first month of the year. Get me on, uh, get me on one of your baseball podcasts soon. We will. We'll get you on. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, have a, a good week 15. We'll be at you next week. Take care.